Hey everybody, it's Max. Let's do something a little different today. I want to talk about Curate and their new guest experiences, also their new Android launch, but I figured, why don't we just call Steve, the founder of Curate, and let him tell us. Hey, Steve. It's Max. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, dude. Did I catch you at a good time? Yeah. Give me a little bit of information about the uh, Curate experiences. Oh, okay. Uh, great. Uh, so the idea behind uh, Curate experiences is sort of our evolution of tying uh, our users to uh, curators, right? But, you know, some recipes, some wine information, some tips and tricks, and some, you know, sort of insider right. stuff that on top of that, they'll be invited to dinners or events that will be constructed specifically for the experiences members, yeah. or they may have early access to particular events. Uh, before it goes on sale to the general public. Steve, I'm recording you right now. <laughs> I figured I'd let you know after so it didn't... You sneaky little bastard. And don't forget to join all of us on September 1st at the Google Fiber offices in Raleigh to celebrate the release of the Android version of the Cure Eat app. That's 518 West Jones Street in Raleigh from 5 to 9. Cut through the clutter. Download the app. It's the Cure Eat app. This show is sponsored by Food Scene. That's food-seen.com. Providing professional photography, social media management, website design, and graphic design services for the food and beverage industries of North Carolina. Foodscene.com. And now, enjoy the show. to the NCFMB podcast. I am your co-host, Max Trujillo. And I am your co-host, Matthew Weiss. And today we are going to rise up and greet the day with enthusiasm because we have Slingshot Coffee in studio and the co-founder and CEO, the team behind it, Ms. Jenny Bonchak and Jonathan Bonchak. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having hello, us. Hello. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank welcome. you for bringing your wares. Awesome. Oh, of course. We, yeah, we're going to we get all without it. We're going to get all zipped up right now. Yeah, <laughs> we might get a little jittery and talk really fast on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you for coming in. I think the last time I saw you guys out in the wild was was right when uh, this can that's in my hand, the long distance relationship, had just been released, and you were walking into Yellow Dog. Oh, bakery really that's the last time we were out in the wild well at least, <laughs> i mean last time i saw you in the wild <laughs> okay, okay i always went there in the morning to get a good get a good yeah, fix right. and you had just released it and i saw it uh, in social and all that and yeah. i was like oh wow and it was cool to see that you two were actually physically putting it and in, installing it into <laughs> a particular uh location yellow dog is always a cool spot in person street yeah, plaza we love our yellow dog folks for yeah. sure and delivered there was only a, a small amount that could go out to everywhere so unfortunately um, you know we had to select from a few customers in the area um, some of our larger customers and then it was exclusive into Whole Foods um, that's in right the south region there's yeah. a very small amount so and we delivered that I think that was the day before we left for Seattle for the SCA um, global specialty coffee conference oh, that's and right. we were launching it on April 20th which was the start of that conference but we were leaving for Seattle so we were just delivering what we could deliver and kind of stashing it away at yellow dog so that they could then put it out on 420 
Hmm. Nice. <laughs> what happens on 420? Yeah. 420 is National Cold Brew Day. Yeah. Actually, oh, really? It is. I think Max was referring to something else. <laughs> Hitler's oh, no. birthday. Is, I mean, well, come on. David Weidman's birthday. birthday. Sorry, he's right? just a good buddy of mine. Yeah. But <laughs> Happy birthday, David. It's yeah. really sad that you just associated Dave Weidman with Hitler, but oh, that's I, a whole other story. I tell him that every Yikes. birthday. Yeah. yeah. Edit that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a wonderful day full of uh, uppers and downers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, uh, well let's speak to it in general because you were going to Seattle, so you weren't too far away from Portland's Stumptown, correct. which is uh, the other the other yeah. part of this collaboration, correct? Yeah, yeah. So that actually came about um, the prior year. So this would have been April 20th of 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Diane, who is the um, president of Cold Brew at Stumptown, she and I were speaking on an international um, panel together about Cold Brew at an international coffee conference Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And we had never met each other before. We had emailed back and forth a couple of times, just, you know, some hellos and things like that, just introducing each other. Um, And... She was like, let's go to lunch. Let's, you know, we need to get to know each other. We're, we're both you know, females in this, you know, kind of pioneering thing here. So in a sausage fest of coffee. <laughs> I mean, yes. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan, for confirming that. Um, yeah. So we went to lunch together and she just said to me, hey, we really admire what y'all are doing at Slingshot. And we think that it's the only really great thing out there and we think it would be awesome to do a collaboration together so of course you know that was okay yeah that's validation what do you really say to that besides okay yeah yeah (laughs) that's very cool because uh you know they're pretty well recognized already i mean i know that when i lived in new york city a lot of you know hip trendy well-regarded places were carrying them and then for them to reach out to you and say let's collaborate it was incredibly flattering for sure i think one of the things that just kind of sealed that deal too is that diane and i just had so much in common personally and didn't necessarily realize it. We only grew up about an hour and a half from each other, both farm girls and so all of Whereabouts? Where was this? I grew up in northwest Pennsylvania on a 300 acre fruit and vegetable farm and she was just across the Ohio line um, in Worcester, Ohio on a dairy farm. So... Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So this is a perfect place because uh, <laughs> to jump into your background, Jenny, you know, on the NCFNB, we always want to get into the background and see how you became the big star that yeah. you are now. <laughs> um, so you started out, though, in music at a rock and roll radio station in Ohio. I did. Yeah. So when I was younger, I knew I was definitely one of those people who knew when I was very young what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I wanted to work in rock and roll. That was that was something I wanted to do. My parents, my dad is very musical. My mom is, you know, Southern, bless her heart. She's um, sort of challenged in that way. Okay. But, you know, my brother and I... She owns a lot of Billy Ray Cyrus albums, doesn't <laughs> oh, she? Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> she appreciates but she, she appreciates Don't great music. She is such a... She's a fan of the Carpenters, for sure, which, I mean, who wouldn't hmm. be? Who isn't so, a fan of the yeah. Carpenters? Don't you dare. Neil Diamond. I mean, those two. Hey. Yeah. yeah. 
Beach Boys. You know, all the all the those great classics. But you were a, a little harder, harder rock and roller. A little harder rock and roller. Yeah, my. What was like the albums that you were that you were you know were inspiring? When you I was a, younger, yeah. I really really did like a lot of my dad's like Aerosmith and a lot the of boss. those like oh yeah Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. My dad wasn't a huge Springsteen person. My dad definitely liked a lot of those more like guitar driven. You know, yeah, Aerosmith. He loves T Rex. So like bands like that that were really you know influential for me that I, I really loved listening to when I was younger but yes so you just, look, listen to some yes a little prog rock a little rush <laughs> no not prog rock primus primus oh well, here I we mean, go not again not when I was primus. younger but oh. I mean as I got older of course but yeah you know sidebar I just want to say uh, primus was here in town recently they played at the Red Hat Amphitheater and I was speaking with Mike Moore <laughs> the chef that organizes the Blind Pig uh-huh. um, pop-up yeah, series yeah. I had dinner over there it was awesome but he was telling me that uh, there was a private party and they somebody had requested if he could go and cook at said private party and you would be cooking for Les Claypool of Primus. Oh, wow. And he and I both were very similar in age. He's older than me by two weeks. Um, but he's like, oh, I want to go so bad. But he was across the state. He's like, oh, I can't make it. And he and I were both bumming because he's from the Bay Area and yeah. I'm from the Bay Area and Primus is a big deal out there. Wow. You know, you guys have your Bon Jovi and your boss <laughs> out there up in yeah. New York and Jersey and yeah. wherever but yeah. Primus man yeah. they suck man. Yep. Primus alright you keep wow. going with that Max thanks <laughs> anyway well, so we're not so much so I was, I was yeah. pretty convinced I wanted to work in rock and roll so um, radio was a big thing for me when I was you know growing up in the middle of nowhere right and we could barely get this rock and roll station out of Cleveland, Ohio called 107.9 The End. And that was my, in sixth grade, that was my introduction into modern rock. And um, it was just from there on out, I just knew what I wanted to do. So um, when I went to college, I would listen to... I'm sorry. You Pitt? Yeah, I went to University so of Pittsburgh. Yes. You know that you're not the only U Pitt uh, guest here I to have know, you know. Craig yeah. So Craig and I were actually in the same graduating class. Are you Pitt serious? No, I mean obviously did not know each okay. other. It's a very a large school. school. So, but yes, when we met oh, each other world. down here, we realized all of these Dude, things. There are gotcha. so many Pittsburgh connections. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, Lee Katrinsic from Durham Distillery. No way. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm always running into Pittsburgh people. It's really fun. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, but yeah. also like Chidi Kumar's from. Uh, yes, yeah, well, she's from New York. She, well, well, she was born, she was born yeah, and was, lived yes. in Pittsburgh. Yes. Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. yeah, maybe this yeah. is like a sign sidebar for uh, the Panthers to sign Darrell Revis. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I don't think that's a sidebar for that at all. <laughs> but I'm I just ex- thinking like the whole U Pitt, you know, connection. Yeah, but fantasy anyway. football is coming up. You know, Christian McCaffrey. You know, that's right. He'll be good for the Panthers. Really excited that Larry Fitzgerald was in my graduating class. Mm. So oh, that's right. He yeah, was, was just a gentleman. A good one. He was such an upstanding guy, right? He still yeah. is. Still but is. it was handing really the ball to, to the refs, <laughs> not spiking campus, it. Like he was known to be. Yeah, he was just a, a kind person. Yeah, he was yeah. a good student. He was on time to class. He, yeah. yeah, you never. You would always hear. I mean, those not stories. that we knew him personally, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, but, and then a beast yeah. on the field yeah, and like dominated right. everyone. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So anyway. But yeah, so I ended up at WOXY in the tiny town of Oxford, Ohio, where Miami is. Um, And I ended up there because I had listened to that station online when I was in college, and I was just determined to work there. So I applied for a non-paid internship when Mm. I graduated from college. Of course, my parents were like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. It's non-paid. You You just graduated. You went to college. You have a degree. (laughs) 
and I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So my parents have always been super, super supportive of my dreams and ambitions. And so they helped me move to Oxford. I got, I got the internship. Yeah. Um, about a week before I moved there, they called and said, hey, our assistant director of promotions just uh, left for another job, and we think you'd be perfect for this. So I had a paid gig when I wow. moved there. So it was awesome. I made a whole $12,000 a year Ooh. and uh, supplemented that with, uh, with you know waiting tables. But, I mean, listen, I got to hang out with rock stars all the time time nice. so i mean Waxy was the premier modern rock bass player from live did he come hang out a lot <laughs> i'm sorry who <laughs> aren't they from aren't they from that area no that was not something that i experienced all right no. i mean but you know i was able fun. to take jonathan to a few of those things so um you know billy corgan we hung out with billy corgan for yeah, a while an idol of mine got to meet him mm. yeah. yeah i got to have beer with coldplay 10 days after they won their first grammy so wow. i mean things like that you know it's it's worth Who the low figured in oxford ohio right yeah. and yeah. that's what's so amazing about it so i i honestly think that that job was the reason i have the kind of entrepreneurial spirit that i have i mean aside from my parents you know, witnessing them, you know, as farmers and, and everything else that they've done in their lives, like they both have an entrepreneurial spirit, like nobody's business. But then being at this really tiny station that was owned by a husband and wife, um, you know, team, and they were in those trenches every day with us. It was awesome. And, yeah. and I was really inspired by it. So I oftentimes think about, you know, this, I was so young, you know, out of college and, you know, kind of, it, it was a great job. You know, of course, it, it I was thought I was worth ground. more yeah. and, you yeah. know, just like every other college kid out of college thinks. But um, when I think about those those experiences there and the people I met and, and the things I got to do, I mean, that definitely is a huge inspiration for, for where I'm at right now. So was the $12,000 a year <laughs> the reason why you went, mm, I'm going to run a coffee empire no. instead? <laughs> no, actually, you know. And I could totally get this. I think it was really hard. It still is hard for, I think, a lot of people to understand. But Doug and Linda Baylog, who own the station, they had been doing it for almost 25 years. That is a long time. They were in their 60s, and they were like, we're kind of ready to retire. Yeah. You know, like, they still loved it. There wasn't anything about it that they didn't love. But it's just time, you know, to do something else. And so very similar to many other, you know, independent music entities got bought up by a conglomerate everybody lost their jobs and oh, i moved nice. back to pittsburgh and i married this guy so Ooh. i mean it wasn't a bad deal so he's <laughs> pointing to john not matt oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. You, so you married john just, you're you're in pittsburgh yeah. how do you get down to raleigh north carolina mm. well so we had dated all through college and one time during spring break we didn't have a ton of money and we weren't really like the kind of college kids that wanted to go to South Padre Island and, you know, go bonkers. But we, she and I went to the Outer Banks um, on a whim during spring break and had a great nice. time. So when we got married, this is in 2005, um, we honeymooned in Maui and Kauai and it was magical. Mm. But of course, sitting on the beach there. And Love Kauai. Yeah. Thinking, wow. So, in a couple of days, we have to fly back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Right. We didn't live I in mean, Pittsburgh anymore. Steel love City. you, yeah. Pittsburgh. However, just the idea of being landlocked after a trip like that right. is a little bit of a bummer. So, yeah. and so all of my immediate family is in Pittsburgh. I grew up um, just north of there, about five minutes away from where she grew up. Actually, it's kind of funny. We were on the school line, though, so I never knew her until I was... 
16, 17? Yeah, late high school, yeah. I guess. So, when I was dating a friend of his. So. Ooh. Yeah. But, uh, Scandalous. <laughs> Seriously. But I had spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh, and I also ended up going to Pitt and uh, visiting my grandparents there. And I was just kind of like, I feel like I've got my fill of Pittsburgh for a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> it might be fun to go explore somewhere else. So anyways, uh, yeah, North Carolina. It's just. It's but was there was here. there an anchor down here? I know no. that you you worked no. for Counterculture Coffee, but you did, that wasn't until no. later, right? Yeah, no. So Jenny is a couple years older than me. Uh, her career was already going somewhere. She had done this great radio thing. She was moving into more PR and communications um, type of roles. And when it was time to find a new place, we just went where the jobs led. So she actually had an amazing offer. For a firm in Anchorage, Alaska, ah. uh, we had friends that lived there and visited, and actually had a great time. Yeah, it was incredible. So I actually took the job in Anchorage first. Really, I I think kind of <laughs> what happened. I mean, we really just opened the atlas and started to pick out places that looked good. So we like the mountains and we love the beach, and we're like, what places could we go in the United States that have both of those things pretty accessible? And I mean, Anchorage was one of those things, not necessarily, you know, beach. Could but you see Russia from your porch? <laughs> Negative. Oh, <laughs> man, I really so thought that was wrong. I know, I know. Come on, yeah, I know. just lie to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, then if you want me to lie, no, just kidding. No, I, I, back to this, uh, yeah, I, I just find this interesting because Max is this kind of a similar story where him and Felicia kind of looked at a map. And, yeah. But I mean, they, there was a little bit more involved in terms of you had children, so you were looking for good education, oh, and yeah. educated area. Absolutely nothing. Actually, we had we had we had one rule, and that was that it needed to have a good music scene. Okay. Um, and so I was very familiar with Merge Records because I had been in this you know kind of indie music scene. Yeah. So I at least knew that they were here. Very familiar with that you know quote unquote Chapel Hill sound from the early nineties. Did you guys things. listen to a lot of and, Farewell? Um, no, did not listen to a lot of the Farewell. punk band Farewell, led no. by Mr. One Marshall Davis yeah. of Gaio Pallone, or uh, what's Birds of Avalon? Birds of Avalon, yeah. Everyone knows them. I have to ask Marshall. About I know. Marshall. Oh, you're gonna. Oh, Marshall owes us a story. Do you oh, hear that? Marshall? There'll be some links on uh, on the <laughs> website. This will have already happened. Okay, perfect. But uh, <laughs> I was I was listening to some uh, Farewell as I was editing the podcast when we uh, interviewed them. Nice. So crazy. Marshall had long hair. He was like. He was like this punk, you know, like kind of pop punk, I guess, Marshall. Yeah. Don't get mad at me for yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. Pop punk, yeah, you know, uh, a little blink. I think I just maybe. heard a knock at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of music that's in flux. I mean, I guess that kind of goes with the, the food and beverage industry, right? I think like yeah. it's it's a lot of uh, people doing it want, like they're they're. They're maybe bartending while they're trying to make it. Yeah. They're, they're waiting tables. Yeah. They're they're trying to make something of themselves, and then it, either the dream dies, or you know you break a leg, or you know you toy, tear your ACL, and you're 48 <laughs> what it used to be. But so I, just, now I you, think that is such a cool thing. I mean, so many people have you know creative outlets that we don't even know that they have, but it is a really common thing. I do think in in food and beverage, you know, to have kind of a musical sidebar, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, of sorts. But it's so cool, and, and I think even as long as we've been here, so. We moved here sight unseen. We'd never been to Raleigh before. We moved here sight unseen um, the day after Thanksgiving in 2005. Um, Wait, when so did you get married? June of 2005. Oh. So just a few months later, we moved here. We wow. got married in 2005 as well, but okay. May. Okay. Yeah. We've wow. almost been married exactly the yeah. same amount of time. Yeah. yeah. We'll have so. to make an anniversary coffee blend together. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Collaboration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we made it <laughs> every year. Yeah. We'll do a new one. One more year. We made it. That's right. <laughs> uh, and 
I mean, it's even more of a miracle because I work with him. So yeah, seriously. Yeah. So the past five years, saying <laughs> we made it is a big deal. Um, but yeah, it, it's so just, Thanksgiving, so your first Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in North Carolina. No, yeah. we had I, we had Thanksgiving dinner at my parents. Right. Remember, then that we had, and then we left in a like raging snowstorm in in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Made you feel good that so you're getting out. Of course, out. we were just like, oh, we made the right decision. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll never forget leaving Pittsburgh, snowing, wet, gross, gray. Yeah. All the things. It's like there could never be more of a sign, right? Yeah. It's perfect football yeah. weather. But then <laughs> we drove into North Carolina. We get there, and I think it was like 70 degrees. Yeah, sunny. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and yeah, we haven't looked back. So, so you get to North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is you talk about music being here, but obviously you eventually were moving ahead, end up in coffee. Yeah. And there's quite a significant amount of coffee and significant, like in terms of successful business coffee yeah. uh, sure. companies in Raleigh. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're yeah. going to look at coffee, you know, in this area, certainly counterculture is, you know, by far the leading, you know, kind of well-recognized roaster. That's, yeah, we knew them in L.A. Like they're right. a major contributor yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean, for good reason. I mean, mm. it's just an incredible, right. uh, incredible organization. But... Um, so when we moved here, I was working at an ad agency, um, and Jonathan just needed a part-time job. So he got a job at a local roastery, just kind of doing uh, shipping, receiving things. And this is after you know really putting yourself through at least your senior year of college, and then like early mm -hmm. um, when we were married, he was a barista at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very common thing for most sure. people to get been there, done that. There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I, had I mean, a great back, experience there. Yeah, and uh, my degree was in English literature. I wanted to be an English teacher, but coming out of college, moving into a new place. She had a great job lined up, and it was kind of like, you know, this is an opportunity to just have some fun, maybe explore the city, and kind of have a, a little bit of a silly job. Um, and it gives you time to read, like, Chaucer and whatnot. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Actually. And, uh, uh, By the pool, because every, <laughs> like, apartment building here has a pool. So that was yeah, and that was completely not Pittsburgh. unheard of in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, um, was, it was Thanksgiving, and we're like, let's go to the pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and the, the school system down here is a little bit different than how it is set up in Pennsylvania. And so I spoke to some school teachers, and they were all had the same message. We really need good people on board on mission with us. We would love help. But as a young person, if you ever thought you might want to explore and do something else, you should consider that. So <laughs> wow. I, I heard that from multiple <laughs> teachers. Don't, um, don't. You don't want this. Yeah, it was really interesting. Well, the funny thing is that, that that's not always an insult as you take it. Like, actually, it's funny. Yeah. I, Max and I, another sidebar, but, you know, we had that article about us in the Observer. Uh -huh. And I told the reporter, I said, you know, they always told you in acting, if you can do something else, do it. <laughs> because it's such an arduous task. And, yeah. But it's yeah. not to say, like, you're bad at this is just like there's easier roads yeah. to go down. Yeah, just but the way you that, better be the way really that the good. article portrayed I felt like it was like people just told you to do something else. <laughs> I, I wanted to be like, an actor, no. but everyone said don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. You I should probably it, do something yeah. else. Yeah. Or I'm telling this because I love you. Right. I'm yeah. Telling you this. yeah. Yeah. But well, for, for your, I don't, I don't think, think that was, was like a that. yeah. I think it was more like the system here is very hard. Yeah. You're not gonna make any money. Yeah. You're gonna run out of supplies and the kids are hungry when they arrive to school. So um, and I took that to heart and I did some soul searching and I thought, you know, I'm actually really enjoying Starbucks and making coffee for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I applied at some different Starbucks down here, but this is right at the time they put forth a big hiring freeze. 
and had closed some stores. Okay, so that didn't pan out. And I picked up a copy of the Indie, and there was a weird advertisement in the back of uh, shipping and receiving at a roastery. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. There's, there's independent roasteries that make coffee for independent coffee shops. So that would be neat. And uh, I did that, and it was very hot and tedious, and I learned how to drive a forklift, <laughs> and I, I lifted pounds of coffee all day long. I would weigh about 50 pounds less. Um, and uh, actually, some people know my nickname is Peaches. Um, oh. This comes from... I like that. That, yeah. that summer yeah. when I was experiencing North Carolina summer for the first time, outside working, sweating my brains out. Um, I used to keep cans of fruit in the freezer and somebody saw me scraping out peaches one day and he said uh hey peaches and then somebody heard that and then it but you love that stuck forever yeah. like, oh. he does and like then you say, yeah when you want to you tell a more you know sexy story about it he just says it's just because he's round and fuzzy and sweet so <laughs> yeah i thought it had something to do with his ass <laughs> i mean Sure. Yes. Well, There's how about having the name butt. Max? Of course, I was called Maxipad for most of the time of growing up in elementary uh, school. But the one guy that I have to give, oh. I had to give him credit. He was so tired of calling me Maxipad that he took it to the next level and just called me Tampon. Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. That's, that's really unfair. I'm like, dude, I actually kind of, I'm bowed to that. I'm like, yes, that's a, that is a clever nickname. Mm. <laughs> but maybe let's not do this. I, just, <laughs> I don't even know where to segue from there. I mean, how tampons. Do you, yeah. I know, I'm um, thinking of all these things. I'm like, massage and you know all of these things that are pretty negative <laughs> like that little well, punk ass kid <laughs> but you know what that's the entrepreneurial spirit that he must have had to think about something new and different mm -hmm. so okay. well, let's get back to that yeah. entrepreneurial spirit here that you that's guys get to pay the big bucks that's folks right. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna move ahead yeah. in the story and somehow uh jenny you wa worked at coffee roasters jonathan you end up getting a job for working as a sales executive yeah, for counterculture? Up, well, I end up uh, out of shipping and receiving very quickly. Um, uh, I, I've got a little bit more to offer than um, putting, a strong back. Putting, putting beans yeah. in a box. Sure. And that's an extremely critical role at any roastery, by the way, not to cut anybody down. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I am sweet, round, and fuzzy. And uh, it was... Great hair, too. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, uh, I was I was asked to kind of go out and do some sort of customer support and sales stuff, and I ended up traveling a lot. And a lot of times, uh, Jenny would come with me on the road because I needed some extra help and hands. And so as I was learning about coffee, she was right there with me learning about coffee. And at home, we were always just, just kind of geeking out on coffee together and making coffee and um, just getting into it. By the time I then, um, I took a, a sales role at Joe Van Gogh out in Hillsborough. Uh, which is an awesome roastery. They own their own coffee shops as well. And um, from there, I got a little bit more plugged into the community here, um, organizing some TNTs, which are Thursday Night Throwdowns, latte art competitions, and, um, and just helping the team out there, um, getting a little more plugged in. And through it all, Jenny was there uh, right beside me, um, having fun, making coffee. <laughs> and at some point, um, when you're when you're enjoying your job, you think, you know, I I like what I'm doing, but wouldn't it be cool if I could just do my own thing? So she and I started concepting on kind of what would be the, the thing that we could do with coffee together that would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And it may be different yeah. than what's yeah. going on already. Yes, so this would have been like late two thousand ten, early two thousand eleven that we yeah. kind of started thinking about this and 
that was kind of winding down his time at, at Joe Van Gogh. Not, you know, intentionally. I mean, he was recruited by Counterculture. Um, and it just kind of happened to be the time where, um, you know, I kind of said, I, I really want to make something of this and I really want to do this. And Were you still working in advertising at I the time? Was. Yeah. And actually, I, I had moved into government communications. So okay. I was doing public affairs for government. Um, and, you know, so he just said, well, I, I just basically got offered my dream job at my dream roastery. So, you know, I, I really want to do that. And, you know, I kind of just felt like this was his time to do that, too. I, I got to do what I wanted to do when mm -hmm. I graduated. And it just it was on a different timeline. So, you know, I, I really wanted to encourage him to go do that and be at Counterculture. And so I just decided it, this was this was something I was really passionate about and really wanted to do. So I just pursued Slingshot on my own and then... The so did you just quit your job and no. get a loan and oh my God, do all no. this stuff? <laughs> Mom gave you $400,000 to just make it happen? Is that, is that yeah. how it works? That, that's how I it wish. works for some people. It definitely is not how it worked for us. It's a um, lot of fruit and vegetables to sell. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of fruit and vegetables. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So I started, um, started Slingshot in May of 2012. So launched our very first products in May of 2012. May 31st, 2012. Um, and I, I had no idea where this thing was going to go. And I was determined that I was never going to go into debt for this company. So I decided that I was going to sell my car. That's how I was going to get the money to even start the company to begin with. Hmm. And shout out to Subaru because they definitely hold their value. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. so I, I made a little bit of money. And I made $6,000 off of the sale of my car. And I said, I'm going to start this company with $6,000. I'm never going to take out a loan. I'm going to make this thing profitable so that I don't ever have to take out a loan. And here we are five years later, and we've never had a loan for Slingshot. We're not, we don't, nice. we don't have any debt for Slingshot. Wow. Um, so that $6,000, you know, at times was $50 <laughs> in the company bank sure. account. But, you know, it, it, it you worked. Stretch and it. I, yeah, you stretch it. And I think that was also part of the way that I grew up was just you're scrappy, you know, yeah. when you're when you're growing up the way you did in the small town and, you know, on a farm and eventually, you know, um, my parents moved off the farm, but just it, my kind of upbringing was just be scrappy and do what you need to do to get the job done and do it well, do it right the first time. But there are going to be ways that, you know, roadblocks that you're going to experience, but there are ways around them. You don't always have to go to the same source in order to solve the problem. So, right. so yeah. speaking, of that, speaking of that, you, you one of your top like five tips that you give to people is have a really good business plan that's always changing yeah so did you have did you sit down and take the time to write a business plan before you had the or once you got the six thousand dollars i did yeah okay. and actually i had done that business plan before i even had the money so okay. i i had started out doing all of these things where i didn't go to business school yeah. <laughs> so i was just doing things that i thought were the right thing to do when i started a company sure. so i wrote a business plan i you know kind of just mapped out what I thought maybe the next three years could look like and then I said okay well I need to pay for this somehow yeah. <laughs> so, and what was know. the what was the main idea like the backbone is you want to do cold brew yeah that I'm was, a cold coffee drinker year round yeah. and I have been my entire life so I love <clears throat> cold coffee I really like cold beverages in general but I really love cold coffee mm -hmm. and so this was something where 
I had just perfected this type of brewing simply because I wanted it all the time. Yeah. And I felt like what I was always experiencing, whether I was in college at an independent shop, um, and as I you know, grew more to understand coffee and was exposed to more coffee bars, cold coffee was certainly an afterthought. Yeah. It was something where you brewed it hot, you stuck it in the fridge, and, and that was it. That yeah, was the drop cold it over coffee. ice. Right. And then it's watered down and gross. Right, exactly. And so I never had the experience of having a really, really great black iced coffee until I made it myself. Yeah. And so over time, just perfecting that method and, and, you know, being in a place that's hot all the time as well, um, that was a, just a staple of things that we were drinking. So it was always in our fridge. Something cold brewed coffee was always in our fridge. Obviously, can we get a little geeky and yeah. tell the uh, the novice like how how do you make cold brew versus just hot brew? Yeah, and it's so. I mean, the concept of it has been around forever. You know, toddy came out in the '60s. You know, that's a, a brewing device for cold brew coffee. So it's not like cold brew in and of itself is a new idea. Um, but you know, you can certainly take ideas and you can perfect them over time. And so that's really what. But what we set out to do is just constantly be improving on that. So in general, cold brew is just swapping temperature for time. So you're going to mm -hmm. use cold elements instead of any hot elements, but you're going to brew it for a longer period of time. So essentially then what's what you produce is a concentrated form of iced coffee. Um, and you're doing that by taking uh, coffee grounds uh -huh. and basically mixing it one-to-one -one with water and letting it sit at room temperature, essentially. Well, yeah, you're not you're not going to necessarily mix it one to one. Okay. You're, and I think that's you know one of the things that we always make sure we're doing at Slingshot is you know we're constantly dialing in that coffee. So coffee is such a volatile product and such a volatile thing that you always have to be paying attention to how that thing is changing. And so for us, it is literally you know dialing in that coffee every single day so it's the grind size it's the temperature it's the amount of time that it steeps because you have to account for just the natural changes that happen in coffee once it's roasted mm -hmm. um you know and so it's it's not necessarily the you know the ratio that we have once we make a concentrate is a one-to-one -one. so okay. you're going to mix one part water milk I mean, booze if you want to, mm -hmm. uh, with with that concentrated slingshot, and that's that's what our recipe creates as a one to one, you know. Meaning, ratio. once you already buy your concentrate, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But when, but when you're, you're, you're making the cold making brew, it, sorry, when you're actually making that cold brew, it's it's going to be different. You're going to want to follow, you know, more ratios for brewing coffee. So, you know, if you're looking at coffee brewing ratios, typically a good place to start is one to sixteen ratio. Um, with coffee to water uh and one so to 16 so like a cup of coffee and 16 cups of water well pause that's that's good for hot brewing traditional yeah, ratio right in the cold brew world typically you're doing almost double the amount of coffee to water so it'd be two to 16 yeah. okay yeah and but one day. i think the way that we've always approached it too just jonathan and i being in you know the coffee industry for 15 years at this point it's we're starting with the things, and, and we're starting with the things that we're experts at, and that is brewing coffee. Mm. So we're going to start with ratios that, you know, to us is is what we understand and what we know, and then we're going to build from there. And we're going to so there are there are building blocks of coffee for sure, you know, and that's 
definitely one of them is your coffee to water ratio is you know a basic building block yeah. of brewing hot coffee but there are different ways of brewing it so we're going to take those general building blocks that we know and we're going to we're going to make something yeah. with them and that's essentially how we get to our recipe for cold brew coffee and just as a general rule correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea behind cold brew is not just necessarily the fact that you steep it cold on a very generalization, but uh, when you make hot coffee or you brew it hot, you're bringing acids out of the coffee that that are added when they're hot mm -hmm. and then and then when you take so if you did it the old school way where you, you brew hot coffee and then you stick it in the fridge you're even building more acids in that flavor so by the time that consumer gets that cold coffee or iced coffee yeah. you're getting double the acidity versus if you're cold brewing a lot of the it, it doesn't bring out the acidity so in in the final result you get a real smooth and creamy cold coffee yeah I th is I'd that say, the basics yeah, of it? Yeah, in, in a generalization, that's it. Yep. Okay. Um, in general, a lot of the cold brew that you get out there is got that sort of big chocolatey base note. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, there's, like Jenny was saying, how you go about pulling all these things together will affect the final outcome. So okay. For us, it's just like any other coffee we're looking at. Um, the grind size, are we grinding it a little more fine or mm -hmm. a little more coarse? And that is changing. Um, the, the water temperature used to brew the coffee initially, um, the, the sort of ambient temperature in the room mm -hmm. as the coffee is brewing overnight, that's very important. Um, the, the water filtration is extremely important because the, oh, yeah. the mineral makeup of the water itself will affect the extraction. Um, and all of those, all of those things kind of come into play, um, and so yeah, what you're left with then is a concentrated, uh, sort of double strength version of coffee mm -hmm. that needs to be diluted with water and milk. Um, a lot of people love cold brews that are have that big chocolatey bottom because they want to put milk and sugar in it, and mm -hmm. so that tends to be a great carrier and complement to those things. I think for us, we noticed by changing different elements of the brewing and working with different coffees and different roast profiles of coffees that um, you would end up with coffees that tasted similar, but you still did have the opportunity to kind of create something that was different uh, and really kind of um, highlight the things that we loved in that coffee. So fast forward to today, we always use this really awesome Ethiopian coffee that has a really great roast profile on it it's not extremely light but it's not dark either mm -hmm. um and we are we've kind of fine-tuned our brewing to highlight a lot of fruit notes in that coffee okay. that we love and that that coffee's prized for and and also because when you started you were using strictly counterculture coffee is that right we we yeah. use counterculture exclusively as our roast you still do now. okay but that yeah, particular day one Yep. That particular blend is an Ethiopian blend. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's a single origin, mm -hmm. so it's it's not necessarily a blend. Um, so this we we specialize in brewing single origin coffees. Oh right. Okay. And uh, and single origin can be of like a estate winery. It's it's coming either from one farm or one right. sub sub region. It's a or collective something? of farms within a region. Okay. Yeah. The term single origin, um, at at the very basic of it is just referring to 
the particular country, but you can go deeper than that. Uh, and are, so are you, is yeah. that for you guys, is that where you hold the standard that it has to be, it has to be from the same region, not just from one country, or is that? We, yeah. yeah, and we, we choose the coffee that we brew because we want to end up with a profile that is light, bright, juicy, and fruity. Mm-hmm. And that's where we think is a great spot for for slingshot to land and that's where we also see that slingshot is very different from other cold brew coffees that are on the shelf because we aren't necessarily trying to mute that acid we we want to make sure that whatever is in that bottle is incredibly balanced because Mm -hmm. you need acid Mm -hmm. to actually have a really great cup of coffee and so we are brewing in a way that we are going to capture all of those things that really make a perfectly balanced cup of coffee because ultimately that's what's going to taste the best also so we don't want to get rid of that acid we don't necessarily want to have this really heavy bottom note of chocolate Mm -hmm. we we want we want this to be something that when you drink it black you're going to say to yourself whoa I've never, ever tasted a coffee like this before, and I certainly have never tasted a cold brew coffee like this before. Yeah, that's one thing I've understood. It's funny. When you have cheap house blend, Folgers, whatever, it tastes like coffee, like quote-unquote coffee. <laughs> the general and it just flavor. has yeah. that, yeah, the mocha flavor, whatever you right. want to call that. And then as you, get, as you actually get to good coffee, coffee starts to tend to taste not like quote unquote coffee, like coffee. Right. you're getting all these fruit and chocolate yeah. components that you have out of there and right. I, I remember just the first time I ever had a really good well made cup of coffee and it was black I just went holy crap this is what coffee is supposed to taste like yeah. mm-hmm. and you've you know you've been quoted a lot to say about what you just said about getting really fruity you get that chocolate base that you know what you're mentioning and it opens up a whole new world where you don't need the sugar, you don't need the milk, right. uh, and, and it just becomes its own drink in itself. Yeah. I think the beauty of it being made as a cold brew as well, and even you know if you throw ice cubes on it if you wanted to, or you just want it hot on a summer day, it's perfect, but it's, it becomes such an enjoyable drink, uh, and it's not just like a morning wake-up beverage that sure. we've all been so used to having yeah, with coffee. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It, it really does lend itself to being able to drink it all day long. Yeah. And I think at different times of day too, you know, you kind of just get different things out of it. You know, you you may it may taste a lot fruitier to you in the afternoon after maybe you've ate a certain thing for lunch. And so there it's it's really fun to just explore what coffee can do and how coffee can change. But get on the biodynamic calendar. Is this a root day, a fruit <laughs> right. day? That's yeah, right. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but you know and and that's just where we've really been able to to stand out, you know, when it comes to cold brew is because people have taken notice of the fact that it is very different. And if you're going to have, um, you know, a a sort of idea of what cold brew is, this is going to completely turn it on its head. So, um, well, I'm going to yeah. put that in practical application Ooh, now because yeah. I, I have to be honest, I've never had a, a slingshot. What? And then once I heard of you guys, We're I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. Yeah. Who is this yeah. guy? I don't, I don't know. Well, no, this is going to be the practical application awesome. yeah. there, um, where I'm going to taste it for everybody who's never had it. Oh, perfect. So, okay. Here we I'm just going to watch Matt try to open yeah. this bottle for the next five minutes. <laughs> Let me just say, we're not editing this part out. Yeah. The thing that I have found so much joy in, in having people experience slingshot for the first time is um it's it's free of any context of a coffee shop 
or environment like that, you can find our bottles at some coffee shops, but you also can pick it up at a grocery store. And at every Target in the Southeast? <laughs> yes, and now in Target. Um, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. I mean, you guys aren't messing around. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> right. The accolades that have come up, New York, New York Times, uh, you were in the article, uh, you know, cold brew changes the coffee business, or how cold brew changes the coffee business. Like, you guys are, you're kind of doing it, which is pretty amazing. We're trying. And, uh, yeah, but, it's a, hard. but it is a culture to say as well. I mean, there are so many other brands uh, in the community, all around the nation, that oh, yeah. uh, it's what Matt and I have talked about before a rising tide lifts all boats and yeah. it seems like with with the assistance of other people like stump town and things like that that everybody is bringing uh this education level and understanding of higher quality versions of coffee right. and all the different ways you can do it uh you know when we were talking to uh, larry's beans he's got like the nitro in a can and right. and they're doing a lot of experimental things at 42 and lawrence where they're almost like making cocktails right, right. but they're putting coffee in instead of mm -hmm. you know liquor sure but there's so much going on with coffee now that has ever happened yeah you know it's the evolvement it's just like when when we were bartenders back in the day and we were making cosmopolitans and yeah. apple martinis and those were, those suck those were horrible <laughs> drinks and it's like nowadays bartenders are making legit fresh yeah. craft right. cocktails right. coffee's right. kind of hitting that same stride a, as well a culinary approach and it's taken time because i think you know the general consumer base has needed to kind of let their palate build and at their own rhythm um, and so, you know, the first time you ever have a slingshot, if you ever, ever had a sort of coffee like this, it might be a little bit weird at first, but we've worked really hard to not let it be sour or bitter, but to let the great things that are in that coffee kind of sh shines through. So yeah, what do no, you think? What are you getting, no, exactly. And just tasting it, it's exactly what Max had said. I think, um, it, it tastes like coffee but the best of coffee in terms of yeah. it's a balanced drink and we preach that all the time and and me you know I, right. I used to be a professor of wine um, back in New York and I always tell people the first thing you have to understand about wine or any beverage is that it needs to have a balance of sweetness and acidity to be a good drink otherwise you might as well just have drink syrup you know yeah. right. unless that's the intention I mean there's some drinks out there that aren't well, balanced but they're kind of going for that but even you know? with dessert wine for example yeah. if you drink ports or sherries or saturn or something like that mm -hmm. you still to the ones that are exceptional yeah. have an, a level of backbone of acidity of structure right and right. so back to your coffee it absolutely does but like you guys said you still have those amazing fruit notes and those cacao or coffee notes that you want to have like those roasting yeah. hazelnutty notes that you want yeah. What's up, everybody? We have a very special giveaway that we want to tell you about. That's right. We have two tickets for the premiere party of A Chef's Life. You know, A Chef's Life on PBS with Chef Vivian Howard. It's September 10th, 2017. That's Sunday, September 10th, 2017 at the Carolina Theater. And if you win, you will get two, that's right, two tickets to the release party of season five of A Chef's Life. How, how do you enter the contest, Max? So review us on iTunes and then go to Instagram and tag friends in the comments section related to this post, the post about season five of Chef's Life. You'll be entered in the contest and the winner will be announced on Thursday, August 24th on the Fair Game Beverage Company episode. Go to iTunes, write a review on us, then go to Instagram. You see this post in there, you write a comment and you tag friends who are not already followers of the NCFMB pod on Instagram. And then on August 24th, you download the episode to find out who's the winner. Good luck, everybody. 
So I have a very practical question for you because I'm sure a lot of people do this. Yeah. You guys are also in Trader Joe's, we right? Are. Um, to speak more to your level of success. And, um, we actually just got a large expansion within America's favorite tiki themed grocery yeah, store. Yeah, by the way, I don't. Now, and we were originally in just North and South Carolina, and now we are in the entire Southeast. For Trader Joe's yes, as well. Yes. So yeah. cool. That just launched. Florida, Georgia, <clears throat> Alabama, Tennessee. <laughs> North Carolina, South Carolina. I have to like think about it. I know time. the entire Southeast. The Trujillo yeah. shop at Trader Joe's. It's a big thing to us. We still get our uh, our, we? our weekly uh, yeah. deliveries from um, Bella Bean Organics, dropping way of back course. to a Jamie Dement episode from no, no. I think episode yeah. six. Uh, but we get our eggs and a lot of meats and all that. But the best part is Felicia will give me a task list on <laughs> notes within uh, my iPhone, and she has a checklist of all the things I need to get. But she and I both know the grocery store so well that she actually does. Does it in order of how you walk through oh, the grocery beautiful. store? Smart. So yes. it's like, don't forget when you first walk in, go get your lettuce. Then you're going to yeah, get your yeah, pre, yeah. you know, this and this. Then the meats. Then come around. I like it. Okay, Super so then awesome. that brings me to my question because you get to about the third row, and then you go down, and there's a coffee aisle, and then you also have the the iced coffee uh -huh. section. So. Uh, just to give you a background to me, and I want, and maybe this works for other people. So, in the morning, I like my coffee somewhat sweet. You know, I do like a version of the bulletproof coffee, whatever, sure. but it's relatively sweet. So, I was buying, you know, sorry, uh, trade the Trader Joe's coffee. Sure. But then recently, I like the organic French roast cold brew concentrate, oh. and so I stepped that up. So that was more expensive. Now, why? What differentiates your coffee? from say that I mean obviously so we have the single origin we have the fact that you guys are perfecting all these things like the grind the ambient temperature the water mm -hmm. what uh, applicable for say the novice coffee drinker who you know might drink it sweet in the morning and then as the day gets on they might drink like a nitro or a, or a black what what other things can I can I because arguably I'm paying more for this which is sure. fine I just want to know what I'm getting for them for for my money yeah well I think one of the things that has always been important for us is that we want people to know that we approach this as coffee professionals. Mm -hmm. We don't have beverage backgrounds. We don't have business backgrounds. This was truly born of a love and a passion for coffee. And so we tell you a little bit about what that story is on the side of the bottle. So if people have an opportunity to read a little bit more about that. You know, Jonathan and I are both seven-time national award-winning baristas. Yeah. So we have we is have that this seven times between the two between of you. Between the two yeah. of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have this background in coffee and you know I think when you are looking at a shelf that just says cold brew, cold brew, cold brew, cold brew you know, people are going to make the decision that they make but I think the the goal here is that once people taste Slingshot and taste how different it is yeah. they're going to come back to that yeah. because you are going to taste something better and you're going to taste something more and that initial you know, trip to the grocery store may not mean that you pick up a bottle of Slingshot. Yeah. But if you're curious about what it is and you're curious about what coffee is, then we also are very intentional about giving you a lot of information, not too much that it takes, you know, five years standing in the grocery aisle to figure out what this is, but we want to be able to provide you with enough information to really capture an idea of 
this is this is different. They're telling me more. We're right. not we're not about keeping secrets when it comes to a secret blend that you know slingshot is a secret blend <laughs> of the, proprietary blend. Yeah, yeah, that's not it. We want to educate people about really good coffee, and so we're going to tell you where that coffee is from. We're going to tell you the flavor profiles of that coffee, and that's all across the lid sticker top there. We're going to you know have information about the coffee on our website. So, and then we give you that website on the bottle. So we're not trying to inundate someone but we are trying to provide somebody with enough yeah. information that it just maybe makes them a little bit more curious well that's just, I, I love that you said that because I, I tell that to people all in the same with wine it's just like you want to buy an estate grown winery preferable to something that is just a generic label because mm -hmm. you know it's like qualifying your leads you know exactly what you're getting so whether you like that or not that that's a different conversation but you know exactly who has made this where it's coming from as opposed to buying right. grapes or coffee beans from all over the world and then right. putting it together in a blend because you don't know what happens in that yeah. transitional yeah. process. Right. But uh, Matt, I do, do you buy wine at Trader Joe's? Uh, I have on occasion, but I try to find the estate bottled or if they have like a very small appellation, for example, like a Sambri, mm -hmm. which is the outlier to uh, to Burgundy, where they actually a small region, they grow Sauvignon Blanc. So you can't find that. But, you know, it's usually in a pinch. No, yeah. I try not to. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's the fun thing. I mean, our our bottle, relatively speaking, is going to cost more for you to buy right. than if you were to buy a bag of beans and make the coffee at home. For right. Sure. Um, but it's about the same price as what you would pay at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And relatively speaking, three ninety nine, you know, it's a uh, it, it's a fun thing for you to try out and see if you see if you like it. Yeah. Um, getting back to what I was saying too, I think what's really fun is that as far as I know, um, besides like Stumptown and um, Blue Bottles out there is one of them. Yeah. A lot of the cold brews on the shelf, um, they're not necessarily specialty grade coffee that's in the bottle. Okay. A lot of it is more like commodity grade because it's very expensive to, to produce this stuff. Yeah. And if you have profitability as your number one goal instead of quality, you know, you're going to make decisions based on that kind of stuff. And I can tell you the coffee that goes into this bottle um, we receive it in freshly roasted from Counterculture every week, and we've chosen to work with Counterculture because of how they source the coffee, their experience in the roasting room, the quality control mechanisms that are in place there. That is a big part of the magic of how this happens. And then we take that and brew it in a way and make our magic with it. make yeah. our magic happen. Yeah. So no, that's a great point. You're yeah. starting with a great ingredient, so yeah. and that makes all the difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and you and worked for them for slam. such a long time, so you know you went behind the scenes of Counterculture. So yeah. It exactly. just it it, it it speaks volumes uh, yeah. as to you worked for them. Yeah. You continue yeah. this relationship with them, so you cl well, clearly are. Well, what's funny about that too is that when before he started working there, I had decided that I wanted to use Counterculture as the roastery for Slingshot, <laughs> and so it was it was a little bit strange because. You know, he was working for a different roastery, but I really wanted to use counterculture for this. And it, it kind of just so happened that they, the way that the timing converged for all of it, you know, he, he started with counterculture. I kind of solidified that relationship for yeah. Slingshot. So it was, it was a kind of a fun transition in there too, that, um, you know, he was starting there just as I was kind of getting Slingshot. It all the made sense. It really did. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people ask us why we don't actually roast our own coffee, but sort of a blessing and a curse of working at a place like counterculture and seeing behind the veil of what makes a great roastery and a great coffee great that that business there's so much more that goes into it and so having that experience and saying to myself well if we're gonna roast our own coffee i'm pretty sure i would want it to be like that 
Yes, they have all these. But how do you get there? Like, you can't just start a roastery like counterculture out of the. You game. have to have yeah, the relationships been in business for twenty years. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Then I mean, they've they've built on that. You know, they're founded on on this idea of the pursuit of quality and when they started pursuing that 20 years ago, there would be a lot of catch up that we would have to do. You know, we we are not experts in roasting coffee. Neither one of us has ever roasted coffee, but we certainly are experts in brewing it. So it makes way more sense for us to partner with people who are experts yeah. in roasting coffee, who are pioneers of specialty coffee and continue to be pioneers in yeah. specialty coffee. And we can, we can make Slingshot so much better because of that. So... Yeah. You know, yes, we, you know, we sacrifice um, benefits, I think, you know, just because it's an expensive thing to make. And so could we do it cheaper if we were to roast our own coffee? Absolutely, we could. But that sacrifices quality. And we're not we're not willing to do that. And it stretches you thin to a whole nother level of things that you might not, like you said, be experts in. Yeah. I want to switch gears for a second and talk about something else that you're kind of got expertise in, and it speaks to your marketing, somewhat communications background. And I want you to take us in because one of the things, and Max, you alluded to with the New York Times recognition, also Huffington Post, you were on their top ten list mm-hmm. when they did cold brew coffees, which is great validation. <laughs> um, Thank you. But you. And and then just like it's so cool, I think to go in. I was in a Whole Foods in Georgia and Atlanta and see you guys there. You know that's super cool. But uh, there was a little bit written about your meeting at Target. Yeah. Um, and you were guys. Obviously, the the proof is in the pudding. The quality of the product is yeah. absolutely there. And now that I've tasted, I can validate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank but the fact you walked is, by that aisle in Whole Foods, you didn't buy it. Well, what happened? I, I was decidedly waiting for that moment because I thought it would make for good pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> taste it on the pod. <laughs> so a virgin taste. Exactly. Um, but you know, I think a lot of us, myself included, as a as in the being in the sales business, wondering like, how do you get to that point? Because a lot of people have good product, arguably, and they're very meticulous in how they make. But then you're also able to get in at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and that Target meeting, which you went into with a broken leg or a twisted yeah, ankle. Yeah, fractured my foot. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a cold November. You're in Minneapolis, where the headquarters of Target. Yeah. And then apparently he bought it sight on, not sight unseen, but, but gave you an day. order. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, an incredibly amazing experience. Um the buyer for uh, Target at the time, we've since actually transitioned to a, a different buyer, um, but the buyer at the time, she had been on vacation in Florida and she was in a Whole Foods and picked up a, a bottle of Slingshot at a Whole Foods and one taste and she said, this is the best cold brew I've ever had in my life. And So that, she contacted you? So that started the conversation wow, that's for that's really us. cool. Yeah. <laughs> when they start um, calling you, that's the way it is. Right. <laughs> That's when you know you have a, a hot was, commodity. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually the same thing with Trader Joe's as well. So Trader Joe's came to us just simply, you know, based on our reputation and and the fact that it was a really great product. So, wow. um, but in that meeting, they said they wanted to go national, but you actually put the brakes on a little bit because of quality and production and yeah, I mean, make sure that you could meet the needs facility yeah. for you know for what we are cranking out in you know in a year we have a very tiny facility and um you know that was just something where i knew that there was no way we could maintain the kind of quality that we needed to maintain 
out of the space that we have to actually produce it sure. um, and be successful there. And so that was definitely a let's make sure that we can, you know, tackle this thing and we can really own this thing before we move on to something else. Wow. And, you know, I think that's that's a hard thing when when somebody is, you know, offering you the world and you're like, no, I'll just take this tiny little island, you know, that's it's a hard thing to to, to say, say no, no. to. Yeah. But, at but it's the also time, character building, too. I bet Target almost felt better to know that you weren't just going for the money grab and you're like, no, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this right. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that our business is going to be here for the long haul with yeah. you, Target. I hope so. I, I mean, I hope you know? that's what they, what they thought about that. I mean, it you know for all intents and purposes for me it was just i'm in you know straight up panic mode like yeah. there's no way we're going to be able to like meet this kind of demand and so you know it was it was definitely a you know a strategic position you know to be able to do that but it it really is so important that we are servicing our customers in the best way that we possibly can so that they can service the end customer the best way that they possibly can. And so that a lot of times just means that we're not going to bite off more than we can chew. And sometimes that means passing up opportunities that, you know, is a really difficult thing to pass up, but you know, in your heart and in your gut that that is, is what, we want to do to make sure that we are living up to the standard that we've created for Slingshot. Every retailer is different too, and you only get one shot at these things oftentimes. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to be able to respond to the needs of the retailer for their customers. Um, They will demand different things of you as a supplier, um, Mm -hmm. some of them. Um, Sometimes they don't. Um, So, I think it's been a smart way, although it's been heartaching to kind of put the brakes and 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 take our time with this kind of stuff but it's i think it's the thing that's kind of allowed us to excel by actually going slower to attend to the needs of the retailers and our business and make sure that we are not just throwing product out there but it allows us to keep an eye on the quality keep an eye on the sales through those stores and make sure the customers are taken care of yeah and really to build those relationships with our with our customers you know and and ultimately that helps to build a relationship with with the person who's going to crack that open and drink it and and that to us is just a really important thing. I mean, we, Jonathan and I are both, you know, very relational people. We, coffee is built on, you know, relational, (laughs) you know, encounters. And so, yeah, it's the old it's, thing of like, let's meet for coffee. Let's have yeah, a date over coffee. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to us, that's no different <laughs> when it comes to working with a retailer. So whether we're working with a fantastic independent like Yellow Dog here in Raleigh or maybe Wild Love Bakehouse in, in Knoxville, you know, or we're working with a much larger player, you know, like the fantastic folks at Whole Foods, the great folks at Target or, you know, the awesome people at Trader Joe's, we want to make sure that that we're just being real and authentic with them, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that there are no preconceived notions of what we can and cannot do. And, and, and all of that really is about having a conversation, you know, built on a relationship. So that's, that's, that's really impressive. Thanks. You know, I mean, I think all of us, especially the entrepreneur and us say, well, no, we want to make more, we want to make some <laughs> more money and we'll figure it out. But yeah. you're really paying attention to quality at the same time. Yeah. So I applaud that. Thanks. That does beg the question though. Are you going to continue to get bigger and and find a path so that you can p- 
produce the quality that you're at, but at a larger scale? Yeah. And how do you go about doing that? We've been working on scale for about the past year. Right. So we've really honed in on some, you know, I, I think what's different, but so similar, you know, kind of similar to the craft beer industry, you know, maybe 15 years ago, there's not necessarily... Um, equipment that you can just kind of buy off the shelf and do what we do. So a lot of what we've done from day one is really customize our own equipment for what we want to do. Um, and you are seeing more of those kind of off the shelf things for cold brew coffee kind of popping up as the category grows. Mm -hmm. But we, because we just do things a little bit differently, we continue to customize our own equipment. So we've been working on scale through customizing of our own equipment over the past year. Um, we will be in a new facility um, in Q1 of 2018. So it's gonna be about 10 times the size what we're in now. Wow. So that's gonna allow us to obviously you know produce a lot more um but you know the the cool thing about being able to have this time right now is just being able to have this time of experimentation and really understanding our craft and understanding what we're doing so that when it does come time to flip a switch and you know crank up our volume to four times five times what it is now that we can do that with ease knowing that all the kinks have been worked out and the quality control has has been put in place so that we can do that and we can still produce you know the amazing liquid that's in that bottle yeah. today yeah. that we can you know two years from now so logistically yeah. though you will have to have a different not a blend but two separate single origin bottlings right i mean or can this ethiopian single uh, origin coffee provide you with enough to grow in that way it can provide us oh, with yeah. enough to okay. grow in that way yeah yeah and that's another benefit of working with a place like counterculture is that as we scale they are obviously going oh. to have to scale with us okay. and so with that understanding that they have of roasting they know how to scale roasting and still provide consistency and quality with what they're doing that ultimately we can provide consistency and quality in what we're doing so mm -hmm. that's you know it, it's just such a great symbiotic relationship there and, and we can both you know i think really be proud of of what the end result is and hopefully all that stuff like manifests itself as this global economy works is that you know because the buyer at in minneapolis said let's go national with this thing at target then that means that people in ethiopia are working harder and like, providing more jobs to actually sustain their livelihood out there so yeah. it's yeah. And not an amazing that, cycle yeah, yeah but uh isn't counterculture fair trade as well right so or they some were at some these are certified fair trade. certified fair trade um, yeah they were a trailblazer for the direct trade movement actually creating their own certification program okay um, um, Which basically means that those coffee farmers or people who are getting the coffee in Ethiopia are getting paid fair wages. Yeah, so that's the general idea of fair yeah, trade. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think there's been so many um, schemes and machinations for trade relationships, especially in coffee, but for all different industries throughout time. That you know, the general consensus is a lot of these products are coming from third world countries, right? being produced by people that need more assistance than what they're getting back. Um, and so the objective there, you know, I think for a place like counterculture is um, a little more all-encompassing. It's not necessarily that uh, it's got to be all fair trade or all direct trade. I think they're looking for sustainable relationships all the way through sure. where there's quality, there is uh, an equitable uh, understanding and relationship back and forth. 
um, and also ethical. Ethical, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I having worked in coffee for the past uh, gosh, fifteen years. Fifteen yeah. years. Um, I early on, I used to kind of be a very sort of like hardcore purist for maybe it was fair trade or maybe it was direct trade. Um, but as with most things, as you grow and you learn, everything's way more complicated than sure. you even can understand. What's really exciting about this point in time is we've, for the most part, a lot of people in the industry have kind of gotten away from taking those like hard stands and come back and said, okay, we were poo-pooing fair trade for a long time because it seemed like there was a lot being left on the table and we were all in the direct trade. Well, it turns out fair trade has continued to do a lot of incredible work on the ground and they need to continue to be supported. There are, you know, marketing schemes that kind of have evolved over time because you need to be able to tell the consumer what it is they're buying and what sets it apart, what makes it different or better. Um, but all that said, I think there's there's a lot of different things that are happening there. So for us, you know, uh, counterculture has kind of been a great way to know where the coffee is coming from, how these people are being treated. Um, counterculture releases a transparency report every year um, that's pretty industry leading. I don't. There's only a few other roasters that are doing a similar thing, and they've just followed followed the lead of, of counterculture. There. So that's pretty neat to check out as that's well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. our, the coffees that we purchase from them are, are listed in there. Um, so yeah. So are there any uh, fun new collaborations or new styles or anything that you guys want to chat about? Well, so, you know, the Slingshot lineup for maybe anybody who's not familiar is that mm -hmm. we have four different products right now. We have a ready to drink cold brew coffee that's a 12 ounce. We mm -hmm. have a 16 ounce concentrate. We have a 64 ounce kind of first of its kind slingshot in a box. So you oh, can cool. have slingshot on tap in your refrigerator whenever you want it. There's eight servings in a box, very similar to wine in a box, yeah. but it's slingshot in a box. That's ready to drink or ready that's- Ready to drink. Yeah. So you can just hit that, you know, in the morning before you jump in the shower, however you want to do it. But it's it's super cool and it just sits nicely in your refrigerator. Um, you know, we were really careful about the design of that. So it's not this giant thing that takes up so much room in yeah. your refrigerator um but it's 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 there um and it's going to serve you know its purpose um and then the last thing that we do is called a cascara tea so cascara for all intents and purposes yeah that was a very <laughs> fancy way of saying it. so cascara uh is spanish for husk and we you know being coffee people we always want to experience coffee in different ways and we one of the ways that we really enjoy experiencing coffee is actually by drinking the coffee cherry itself and what we do with that is that coffee beans are the seed of a fruit so we work with a farmer in el salvador named aida batier she is a fifth generation coffee farmer she is the leading um, expert on cascara uh, which is derived from drying the husk of that coffee fruit and the little bit of um, you know kind of like fruit mucilage that's left on the inside um, drying it on African uh, traditional African beds so raised beds um, in El Salvador and we take that dried fruit and she sends it to us and we brew it like an herbal tea so the result is kind of sweet like a fig tart like a white grape it has about half as much caffeine as coffee um, it's really high in antioxidants so it's just this really interesting, different way to enjoy 
a version of coffee, for, yeah. you know, for what it's worth. Um, Slingshot was actually the first in, in the United States, and we actually believe in, in Europe and Asia as well, to produce this kind of tea for, you know, bottled consumption. Uh, and we still, we continue to be, you know, a leader in this. We work with Aida specifically because she was um, the the pioneer, really, of Cascara. And, um, you know, it's it's a centuries-old concept um, referred to as kishar in um, the Middle East, where, you know, coffee originated in Ethiopia. Um, a lot of coffee, you know, came from Yemen, came from the Middle East. Um, so the, the idea of utilizing the coffee cherry itself is not a new thing, but it has been completely lost, you know, for, for decades. And so we decided that we wanted to work with Aida because she had kind of brought that idea back. And um, so we're being, we're able to source single origin, single variety coffee cherry from her um, exclusively. We brew it like an herbal tea and, and bottle it. So that's that's kind of the fourth thing in our that's lineup awesome. here. Yeah. yeah. So it is also cold brewed. It's also okay. cold brewed. Which yeah. Turns mm-hmm. out that method was really good for kind of bringing out the nuances of that without you know a lot of the harsh tannins that come from that tea when it's brewed hot too Mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah Yeah. so it's really cool we love it it's it's an interesting thing for us um and that also is in target so that's you know that's been a really cool thing for us to be able to have you know that kind of um i think just audience for something that is so new and so different so that's that's been Really yeah, amazing. I uh, did the long distance relationship product with Stumptown, so that was our Cascara tea blended with their right. cold brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that definitely was a first of its kind, <laughs> you know, sort of collaboration there, and it, it was fun to work with them because they were also willing to kind of, you know, be way kind of Wild off the rails weird. thinking yeah. about yeah. yeah we're like if we're gonna do something let's do something that's like totally totally different so um that was fun but so yeah we we do have a couple of um new items that we're going to be releasing later this year so we're excited about that we can't totally tell you what they are right now <laughs> but one of the things we can tell you is that our coffee uh caramels are coming back mm. so those we launched last year for the holiday um we sold out of them in a day <laughs> oh wow so are you selling had, those online you're selling them directly from those will be in a couple of different um you know retail outlets and they'll also be online too so we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that once you know those things are kind of solidified but um yeah so we're we're excited to launch those again this year so if you didn't get your coffee caramel fix last year your slingshot (laughs) coffee caramel fix they are um, delicious yeah they're delicious I, i didn't realize how much i liked caramel jenny definitely had an idea in mind of what she wanted something a little bit more tacky not as like uh, a little bit more chewy and so it involves our cold brew coffee uh, we use our concentrate and we work with a confectioner to just build it from the ground up a very uh, simple recipe that's kind of fine-tuned to kind of like push out those coffee notes yeah. but still be like a really good sort of like caramel yeah tacky to, yeah. tacky chewy caramel that sounds so delicious it is delicious one. i have to like keep that yeah. <laughs> so good yeah. well uh well everybody follow them on instagram and twitter and all that so that you know when the caramels come out and that new yeah. secret thing that we don't know about yet there's a couple of really exciting things i you'll be the first to know don't that sounds great. Uh, sure. we're gonna hold for you to sure. that you yeah. know that Absolutely. we've been known for releasing a couple things on the ncf and uh, social media yeah. platforms a little follow-up podcast. yeah we can do a little follow-up 
Yeah. yeah. But in the meantime, yeah. you know, you can find Slingshot at about 600 different outlets. Um, that's it. From, <laughs> that's all. That's all. From Massachusetts to Florida, as far west as, uh, oh my gosh. Chicago. Like Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we will be crossing the Mississippi this year. So, there'll be some, um, some players kind of in that, like, west midwest you know kind of area in the rocky now, mountain area you're as far um, west as illinois right we yeah. really are yes about e- east of the mississippi yeah. is where we you know you can really find slingshot so we'll be expanding westward a bit um later this year so we're really excited about that and manifest um, destiny for your I coffee mean, <laughs> At some point, we'll have to open a satellite brewery on the West Coast because shipping is so expensive. I mean, uh, glass bottles that have to stay chilled. Um, You're talking about a lot of money there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, But uh, the other really fun thing that's happening right now, it's the second year, is Slingshot Summer, which is an Instagram competition. And um, this started out, I was um, just kind of scheming on some fun things that we could do. I'd be like, you know, we should just come out with a new T-shirt with like a little... Designed for the summertime. That would be kind of cute. And then Jenny ran with it. So uh, it's been a really awesome thing. Yeah. I think if there's one thing, you know, as a husband and wife that we definitely can identify working together is that um, there's nothing that I ever think small for. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, you know, is, that's really shows, I think, in our personal life and, and in our professional life, too. You know, there's an idea that's floating out there. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's too small. We're going to do it this way. And we're going to do all these things. So what started out as, as a T-shirt uh, evolved into um, sponsorships uh so that we can give out these very large prize packages, um, one every week for Slingshot Summer. Um, and then we have a grand prize um, at the end of the month for every month of the summertime. Um, and we are giving away camping and hiking packages. Uh, we're giving away a public bicycle. Um, so a lot of really fun things that we're doing um, through social media. So and how do you get involved? You go to follow you on Instagram. Slingshot Summer. So, on Instagram and yeah, Twitter. Yeah. So post your best picture of Slingshot. We pick our favorite picture every week. Um, that person gets a, a, a prize package valued about $300. So it includes um, products from us. It includes um, Bobble, Big Spoon, Roasters, who's um, is a local nut butter company. Um, Gosh, so many other things. Murphy's Naturals. Lots of great things for the summertime. Yeah, lots of things. Well, I'm going to hold this podcast hostage until I win. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Hashtag Slingshot Slingshot Summer. Summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, guys, for coming on in. Oh, man, it's been great. We appreciate it very much. Matt, what do you got? Oh, thank you, guys. It's been uh, inspirational. Oh, that's really cool. Thank you. We're thrilled to be on here and to be a part of the North Carolina food and bev world um all the other people that you've had on here have been incredible so it's an honor to to be a part of that roster for real thank you all right thank you we'll continue to eat and drink merrily (laughs) and don't forget to join all of us on september 1st at the google fiber offices in raleigh to celebrate the release of the android version of the cure eat app that's 518 west jones street in raleigh from five to nine there'll be chefs like ricky moore of saltbox kim bops kim hammer sean lilly of full steam along with john may and kevin barrett both previous guests on the ncfmb pod join us there again september 1st at 518 west jones street from five to nine cut through the clutter download the app it's the cure eat app Join us next week when we chat with the head distiller of the Fair Game Beverage Company, Chris Jude. That's next time here on the NCF&B Podcast.